We'll be reading two passages today as we reflect on the birth of Christ. The first of those is taken from the Gospel of Luke, and we will be reading together Luke chapter 2, the verses 8 to 14. Luke chapter 2, the verses 8 to 14. After which we'll read together the passage that has our text in it, John chapter 1, the verses 1 to 14. But we'll begin with Luke. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. Goodwill towards men. We'll now turn ahead to John, the Gospel of John, the very next Gospel. John chapter 1, the verses 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that will be our text for today. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our text begins with the words, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, Jesus Christ, 
became flesh and dwelt among us. When we think of this today, on Christmas Day, we often have this picture of a cute baby, a peaceful scene of shepherds in a field, of wise men giving gifts, a silent night. But do we often think about what a profoundly humbling thing it was for Jesus to dwell among us? Do we understand what it is that he freely did when he submitted himself in this way? As an example, think about our own position. We are here living a relatively comfortable life in the West. How easily would you leave that behind? People who love you, clean drinking water, a grocery store a convenient distance away that's always stocked. And one of your biggest concerns perhaps being that over Christmas you have to watch your waistline. It would be hard to leave such a comfortable life behind. Perhaps it wouldn't be too hard to leave behind if you could take some of it with you, your furniture, your money, your family, the appreciation and love that you may receive. But what if you had to give all of that up? What if you had to go to a place where you not only lived in poverty, but people despised you? Think of our Lord's experience. Verses 10 to 11, the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. This was not just them being unwelcoming, but in Isaiah 53, we learn what our passage is actually talking about. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. For us to leave the riches of our world and go into, a po- into poverty, to a place where you are despised, would be hard. It would be harder than we could imagine. But Jesus Christ did so much more. He who was rich became poor for our sakes. Christ freely let go of the privileges that belonged to him, being God, as only the first step of his humiliation. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Today in our text, the Apostle John draws our attention to what a huge thing this was, saying, remember This is the one whose glory we beheld. Glory as of the one and only from the Father, the one who was full of grace and truth. Remember who it was that became flesh. We're going to reflect on these very same words today as we look at this passage. Loved ones, the word became flesh. We'll see, first of all, how he left the glories of heaven Secondly, to dwell in the darkness of earth. So as we look at our text, we can see how it begins by focusing very intensely on Christ's glory. 
The Apostle John writes, We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Yes, the followers of Jesus would have been able to themselves see see some small part of his glory along the way. As Jesus went out preaching and teaching, they would have been able to see how he is full of truth. And as he carried out his miracles and as he walked among the people of this earth, they would have been able to see how he is full of grace. But John in particular had special reason to draw attention to knowing the glory of God, having beheld the glory of God, having gazed on it, fixed his eyes on it. John here would immediately have springing to his mind the time when he was with Peter and James on the mountain and they watched Jesus Christ being transfigured before their eyes. When some small part of Christ's glory was revealed to them. There they saw Jesus with his clothes beginning to shine with bright rays of light. And in that moment, they heard the Father voice his approval of the Son, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard those words and saw that glory, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. And in our verse today, John wants us to remind us that that glory which they saw was a small part of the glory with with which Jesus was clothed from before the foundation of the world. Their terror before his glory was with good reason. Glory, as defined by the Oxford languages, is high renown or honor won by notable achievements or magnificence or great beauty. That begins to capture it. The Hebrew word used for glory in the Old Testament has the simple meaning of heaviness or weight. His glory carries so much weight that it brings heaven down to its knees in worship. And when it's exposed even to a small degree, even reflected glory of those who have been in the presence of God, it brings humanity down to their knees. Think of Moses, the leader who was appointed by God to lead Israel out of Egypt and who went up to Mount Sinai to receive the word of God. When he came down to share the law with the people, his face was shining with the reflected glory of God after that encounter. Enough so that people hid their faces with terror. In Luke chapter 2, a handful of Jewish shepherds also get some small taste of the glory of God. We read there, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. This, too, is the reflected glory of God, of those who have stood and served in his presence. How much greater the glory of Jesus Christ is on display in the throne room of God himself. 
Revelation chapter 4 describes the only response that even those who are regularly before the face of God can give. Even the angels and the elders who see the face of God. Revelation chapter 4. The four living creatures, each having six wings, who are full of eyes around and within. They do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying you are worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created This is the response to the glory of Jesus Christ, the response that he ought to have received. Jesus was involved in the creation of the world itself. We read that in John 1, verses 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, another name for our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The living creatures and the 24 elders understand how the creator of the world should be received. This is and always was the divine glory due him, even when he was in the flesh. This is the way that he is received in heaven. This is the honor he has shown, the honor that he is owed. Everything was made by him. The riches of heaven and earth belong to him. It was this glory that the little baby in the manger, had veiled when he came to earth. This light, this weight, this majesty, being clothed in this power, in his human nature, our creator hid his glory and became flesh to dwell among us. He who was worthy of all honor hid his glory and humbled himself for a people who despised him. This is a little humbling for us to think about, to reflect on. For us who are so quick to write off our fellow man. Because if we examine ourselves, we sometimes find that we feel this way because We see ourselves up here and them down there. Too hard to work with. Too far gone. Done too much injury to us. And more. We see what we feel we deserve. And we see the cost. We see it as being too great a burden. 
rather than a great expression of love. It's easier to give up. And we understand that. Yet, he didn't think of himself first, nor did he give up on us. It's humbling for us as we see how freely he gave that up. Reflecting on the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory that he was and is honored with in heaven, and his willingness to go to earth and to veil that leads us to the second aspect of our passage, that our creator came to the darkness of earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He became flesh and dwelt among us. We understand what a profound and shocking thing is tied up in those last six words. It was Jesus Christ, the Word, our Creator through whom all things were made, who became flesh. And not only that, He made His dwelling among us, lived among us, walked among us, talked among us. Having seen his glory described, we get a picture of what he freely sacrificed to come to earth. But we don't always have our eyes open to how dark the earth truly is to someone coming from heaven, to what it meant for him to be among us, walking among us and talking among us. And yet it's important to try to get a bit of the picture of the darkness of earth compared to the glories of heaven if we want to understand the significance of the word becoming flesh and making his dwelling among us, especially on this Christmas day. Or else we will miss the incredible grace of our Savior in coming to earth. The passage that we read in John 1 described Christ's coming into the world as light coming into darkness. And how great was that darkness? Have you ever spent time in a cave deep in the earth? Maybe you went down with a tourist guide. Sometimes you're encouraged to turn your light off and just sit in that darkness. And the darkness is so dark. In the first minute, you hear and you see nothing. Then after that first minute, with all of your other senses stilled, the only thing that you can experience is the rushing of blood in your own ears. Then you begin to feel every heartbeat. And the darkness becomes so thick you can almost feel it as if it's a physical thing. A blanket that's placed over you. What a difference the light makes when you turn that flashlight back on again. There are very few things that can portray the difference between Christ's heaven and his now fallen creation, his world that rebelled against him and is now so full of sin and pain and brokenness. But the difference between light and darkness begins 
captures some small sense of that. You see, when Christ was there at the beginning of the world, his creation was beautiful and perfect, and it was full of goodness and light. And in that way, it reflected the Creator. It showed that it came from his hands. As the scriptures say, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. But humanity, in their rebellion against God, they plunged the world into sin and misery. Turning their backs on the source of light, they plunged the world into deep, deep darkness. And now as we read in Romans chapter 8, all of creation is groaning under the consequences of that sin. You know you've experienced it. The separation of life when there's a death, broken relationships, hostility. And the sad thing is for all of these things that we experience and so much more, we not only receive it, we also contribute to it. God made his world perfect and full of light. And look at what mankind has done to it. We took what was good and beautiful, what he entrusted to us, and we abuse it. When we hurt people through things we say or do, we're no different from Adam and Eve in the fall into sin who tried to cast all of the blame for their sin on each other and onto God. God is the one who created those people in our lives. He is the one who entrusted them to us. When we damage his created world through neglect or when we misuse things for our own pleasure rather than for what he intended, we are taking what is good and pure and perfect and plunging it into darkness. Day in and day out, humanity fills the world with darkness. Can you imagine that? As creator, giving someone what was dear to you, something that you had rejoiced over and you had said it was very good, and instead of using it the way that you intended, they abused and broke it, or they took what was meant for good and for flourishing and thriving and used it to hurt other people. Or they used it to belittle you, to try hurt you to the best of their ability, although they might not be successful. If you were in that position, wouldn't you be filled with anger and sadness because of that? Yet that's what we did with God. We took what was His, what He gave to us, which was filled with goodness and light. And humanity, in turn, filled the world with darkness. That picture of the dark world that the shepherds in Luke 2 were in, in the darkness of night in the Gospel of Luke, was, in a way, a picture of all of humanity before God. The people of the world walked in darkness. A darkness that was so deep. Jesus 
was well aware of this, though. Jesus was well aware of what he was getting into before he came into our world. He was well aware of the people that we would be, of the way that he would be treated. We read in John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. And verse 3, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. He was there from the beginning. He saw the fall. He experienced millennia of human pain and suffering as the one who was sinned against above all. The direct result of humanity taking what was good and perfect, what he had made, and using it for darkness. He was also in a position in which he enjoyed all of the honors that all of heaven gave to him. He could have let earth go. He could have simply wiped out humanity for what humanity did to him and to his beautiful, good world. But he didn't. Instead, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus knew, verses 10 to 11, that though the world was made through him, he would come to his own, but his own would not receive him. He knew he was sacrificing the joys and riches of heaven for a life of rejection for a people who had already rejected him and done so much wickedness to each other and to him. Jesus knew what it would cost to redeem mankind. The lifetime of humiliation and suffering compared to the glory of heaven with a cross waiting at the end of it. But that didn't slow him down. In Ephesians 2, verses 6 to 8, we read that Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, a thing to be held onto, a thing to be clung to, even though it was owed him. But he emptied himself. By taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Do you ever consider, do you ever think about the darkness that Christ freely and joyfully came into you? The one who is perfect, full of grace and truth, worthy of all honor and adoration. And yet he chose. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The result? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. He did not place himself at a distance when he came to dwell among us. In choosing to dwell among us, Jesus placed himself among humanity, under the laws of humanity. And we shouldn't take that lightly. Pay attention here. In verse 14, it says he made his dwelling. Literally translated, it says Jesus tabernacled, tabernacled among us. 
This is Old Testament language. And the Old Testament language here is used for God dwelling among his people. God lived among his people in a special way in the tabernacle and later the temple. But the presence of the tabernacle and the temple was always meant to be a reminder of who the ultimate authority over the people of God was and his holiness, his glory. While in the Old Testament, Israel was placed under the laws of God as a theocracy. And later in the Old Testament, the kingship that was established was in theory supposed to be in submission to God with the temple always being a reminder of that. But here, here there is no tabernacling like that. There is no beauty to draw our eyes to him like the temple had, the prophet Isaiah wrote many years before. There is no glory full on display, no distancing himself from a corrupted people who needed to be symbolically cleansed by sin, cleansed of sin by the high priest before they could draw near. No, he came to tabernacle among us. He brought light to his people. He brings us the light. God himself comes in the flesh to his people. He tabernacled among them, not as one who stands apart, clothed in honor and glory in the midst of his nation, although he would have been owed that if he had chosen. He tabernacled, he dwelt, he lived, walked and talked, wept and rejoiced, was spat on and ridiculed in the flesh. A far cry from his former glory and a great expression of his humility, his patience, and his love. The creator places himself under the authority of his creation. He humbled himself so that he would be exalted to greater glory by a redeemed people. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Meditate on these words this Christmas day. The time came for him to be born, and there was no room for him in the inn. He was born in a stable, laid in a manger. The greeters of the creator of the universe weren't kings and empires bowing the knee before him, but humble shepherds. His carers, his parents on this earth, were broken sinners themselves, tasked with raising a perfect child in imperfect ways, and he willingly put himself under their authority. He submits himself to human laws to the point of death, even death on the cross, for the sake of his people, for the sake of you and me. And for the sake of his own glory, to redeem a people who might praise and worship and adore him. He came to bring us light and to bring us to the light. While we're not among that select group that got to see his blazing and beautiful glory at the transfiguration, we still get to see him as he reveals himself to be from the Father, full of grace 
and truth. Loved ones, let's stand in awe today as we think about the incredible nature of what we're celebrating today. Reflecting on the glories of heaven that the shepherds witnessed, let's remember what he surrendered, what he hid to come to us. Remembering the darkness of the night that the shepherds were in, let's remember how our creator came into the darkness of this world to let his light shine before men. Remembering the tiny baby wrapped up and placed in a manger, let's remember how he humbled himself, how the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, how the creator let himself become subject to his creation. Let's stand in awe and let's adore him for this all the more this Christmas day. Amen.